I'm rephrasing this so that you don't have to perjure yourself, but I, I think most Americans or most people are aware that there was a movie and I've never seen it, but there was a movie called 21 grams in like the early two thousands. And I think it, I think it was some type of like noir crime movie or something like that. But the gist of it or the, the Nate, the re, like the source or the origin of the title is that allegedly when somebody dies their um, when they're, they weigh like 21 grams less because that's what the human soul weighs or something. I could be getting this entirely wrong. The reason I bring this up, because this is a really dumb uh, thing that popped into my head. Do you know how much uh, the appropriate weight of beans for the perfect double shot of espresso is? Does it happen to be 21 grams? No, actually it's 23. Yes, it's 21. Hmm. And that is what happens when you uh, have nothing to open the show with. So there was that little bit of like this weird um, brain crack commingling or whatever my brain that became that. Anyway, so I've been working more on the espresso and my I, I am pulling some spectacular shots and it's, it's, it's very good. I have actually there's gonna be a bit more coffee follow up somewhere in the show, but I did get I purchased a new grinder. Um, what? and we'll, we'll get there. Is that in follow-up? I don't, I don't even remember. Hmm. I haven't okay. even actually looked at the doc. Well, actually, let's just dive right into it. Cause there's not actually a whole lot here and we're going to, we're going to keep moving cause it's, it's, uh, it's been a warm day and I've actually been sleeping reasonably well recently. So we're going to keep that going. Yeah, why, why does it have to be like 90 degrees every time we record this show Wednesday? I think Wednesday has been the hottest day of the week, like the last four weeks. So I, I've got a problem with, with uh, uh, like weather forecasts. Is it like, I, I guess where I live, like it'll just say it's going to be like 76 and then it's all of a sudden at three o'clock, it's like 90 and I just don't understand how it's that far off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's But the, but yeah, uh, Snowman by LG is doing, has been putting in some work. So he's, he's been doing a good job. Anyway, um, so yeah, so coffee follow-up. So yeah, I've been I've been doing better with the espresso shots. So I did purchase a more versatile or appropriate coffee grinder, which was part of my issue because, again, we mentioned the kind of issue with the um, low kitchen cabinet, uh, like clearance height, which even though I did measure it or I did follow what the generally accepted Breville height specifications were where they apparently measure it without the bean hopper on it. So therefore, it, even if I wanted to use that grinder, it doesn't really work unless I have it like way out in front of the cupboard. So anyway, I upgraded my OXO, 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 who even knows, the uh, conical burr grinder that I got not that long ago for all my fancy pour overs. And I upgraded that to the Breville and honestly, I, th- there's a good chance that this is basically the the grinder that's already in the coffee machine, just slightly better. <laughs> it's called the, I know it is different, but it's called the Breville Smart Grinder Pro because everything's got to be smart. So the reason I got it was because, uh, I don't remember if, if this ended up crossing over into the show, but um, I sent you the thing online, offline that the... Um, uh, that the uh, Barista Express finally went on sale like a week after I bought it. Of course it did, yeah. Yeah, so you had mentioned, hey, why not try to price match? And I was like, yeah, no, it's not worth it. 
on Saturday, I was avoiding work I should have been doing, so I called Bed Bath and Beyond, and they price matched it. Hey, so how cool. about that? Mm-hmm. So do I do I get like half that money you got back? No, no, the Breville Corporation got it because <laughs> that's where that's that's what funded the Smart Grinder Pro. So yeah, so you can um, I'll put a link in the Slack. Um. So yeah, so I mean it's pretty good. It, it is a, like a lot. There's a lot of crossover between what I think the built-in grinder is, but I do like that one. It's a coffee grinder that allows me to, um, both fill up a porta filter in a really sensible and clean way, but also can easily swap out um, a like grinds container for uh, pour over or any other type of coffee. So I like it quite a bit. Uh, the uh, the bean hopper holds a full pound of beans, although you generally wouldn't want to put that much unless you're making tons of coffee, which I actually have. But overall, I think this is pretty good. It has one big issue with it that I will bring up, which is, are you sensitive to electrical wines? Uh, electrical what? Wines. W-H-I-N-E-S. You mean like when it's when something's plugged in and you're not using it and it, it kind of makes this high pitched noise? You betcha. Yeah, I would I would say that I am. So, and this this will be foreshadowing or like um some type of like Excel reference to another topic we're going to talk about later in the show. But the very first uh, when I when I bought that ill advised. 17 inch uh the first 17 inch macbook pro with the intel core duo processor Mm -hmm. that one had a huge manufacturing defect where it would anytime it was plugged in and you were using it it had this faint high-pitched whine and because i'm under 40 and i'm not saying that as like a slight against older folks but your your ability to hear higher frequency sounds goes away as you get older um it had a thing where like only people like under 25 could hear. And again, I'm over 25 now, but this was back when I started college where you could hear when plugged into MagSafe, like this very, very faint, annoying, high pitched wine. Anyway, so this Breville coffee grinder has exactly that. And it's mm. very, very annoying. So I had to go and get a, um, like a $5 little electrical outlet, uh, switch thingy. And that has solved my issue. So I, I'm somehow finding a way to make fussy coffee as fussy and tedious as humanly <laughs> possible by now having, I think, now three separate appliances dedicated to this. I don't know, but so so wait the the switch thing you bought just cuts power to this. Is yeah, that the idea? I, I should have had these links all. Um... So is there no way to turn the? Oh well, no. I, I see what you're saying. Is even when the power's off, you're on on the grinder. You're saying it's because the, this and, noise. and the thing that's annoying about it is one. I was like, oh, is it just effective? And then, um, well, that, that, there goes the other thing. This, this is going to be a story with layers. But so I was like, oh man, that's super annoying. This is defective. Um, let me call Bed Bath and Beyond. Just kind of say like because their store, like they're only doing the curbside thing, so like you can't really go in. I'm like. Oh, hey, so I got an item that I think might be defective. What's kind of the exchange policy right now? They're like, oh, yeah, we we can't actually do exchanges whatsoever at all right now. So uh, the Santa Rosa store is open for exchanges. And I'm like, no, I'm not not doing that. So I then Googled it, and apparently it's a known issue with this Mm. uh, coffee grinder where, like, somebody said, like, they got one that did it less badly, but it took, like, three tries. And I'm like, like, it's, it's fine. I don't care. And the thing is that it's it's just the backlight 
that causes it. So when the screen goes off, it's much fainter, but it's still kind of there. So I'll send you a link. So I got this fancy piece of technology, which is basically just it is an electrical outlet that just has a little switch on the side. Hmm. So functionally, this does exactly what I would need it to do. Um, and it's actually kind of nice, even if there wasn't the wine where, not that I'm making late night espresso, but who knows, uh, with my messed up sleep schedule, maybe I'll start doing that too. Um, that it allows you to not have, um, like the, uh, blue, uh, LCD screen backlight on for the five minutes that it takes to time out normally. Right. Anyway, where was I? So yeah, so that, that coffee grinder is pretty great. Um, and I've been able to dial in my grind much better. And, um, yeah, my espresso pulls are very, very good. Milk frothing, still pretty bad. I tried your advice this morning. It was less bad, but it was still, still has some opportunity. Mm, room for growth. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm just not necessarily sure what the appropriate texture is. Like, I just can't like when, like the whole point is like, you're supposed to be steaming and, and foaming the milk a little bit, right? Yes. So I guess I don't know what the foam is supposed to look like. Um, I mean, you know, you know it when you see it, I guess. <laughs> it always comes back to the Supreme Court obscenity ruling. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple, <laughs> a couple things with this grinder. So this will be in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very nice looking piece of equipment. I really like the design of this. I mean, I guess we kind of like the design of pretty much everything breville does well and that's and that's the, and that's the whole thing weeks. where this now completes kind of the the holy trinity of um breville appliances in my kitchen it's it's the circle of life mm-hmm. yeah the, the creepy uh cgi one <laughs> exactly um and i you know actually i was hating on the lcd display on one of the other espresso machines you were considering that Breville makes. It's the, I forget what that one's called. The, the barista, barista touch. The touch. one that doesn't have any like physical knobs and that was, that kind of ruined it for you. Yeah. I, you know, again, Carlos, me, Mr. Smart Home, I, I'm all about the, the touch screens. <laughs> That's and, what the and, sash says. It does. And the whatnot. But, you know, with a machine like the Breville espresso machine, having the physical knobs and buttons just sort of felt like the right look and that that holds true i think for most things in the kitchen however i think this is a good use of a display (laughs) good use of kitchen display okay yeah exactly because i have a a standalone grinder and the the issue that i have with mine is you know it just has an an analog knob on the side and you know, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what number it's dialed into, whereas having the screen here would just kind of make it, you know, perfect every time. Like, you know exactly what you're what you're set to. So I like that. And a, and a couple of things with this that I do like is that um, it, it helps you kind of, and this is not necessarily like functionally that useful, but... So, like, the three items on the screen, and I wish on this Breville website I could zoom in on the picture, but apparently that's illegal. But um, but Amazon lets you. No, they don't either. Okay, fine. Um, so, on the leftmost column is grind time, 
the middle column is number of espresso shots or cups of coffee, and the rightmost column is uh, your grind fineness. So what I like is that as you adjust the fineness of the grind, it shows you in real time what the, like, let's say you put, uh, like, a out of 60 settings that has like let's say like what i found the most success with is like a, a 15 for a nice fine espresso grind it will update and you put in two shots it will update how long that grind time will be so you kind of re- get to meant like map out how the fineness affects how long it's supposed to be grinding for which i think is kind of cool so this one i will say um i was singing the phrases of the um the Breville Smart Oven Pro, I think it was called, for a spectacular knob feel and a huge upgrade over the 650XL that we had before. This one, very, very, very bad knob feel, bad use of <laughs> knob feel. Um, the, the grind fineness knob on the right is one of the least satisfying and most frustrating <laughs> and mushiest knobs I've ever used in my life. But... I assume not you don't something too much. But... Right, right. Um, yeah. So the, I guess the, the other thing that I, I meant to bring this up when you were talking about the toaster oven last week, the other thing that I really like about Breville, in addition to their overall design and, and the function of of their stuff, I really like how they use the phrase smart in a lot of their products, which <laughs> in basically Every other context means that the product is worse for it. Oh, well, yes. Um, or it's, you know, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi mm-hmm. uh, enabled. But with the Breville stuff, you know, the, you've got the smart grinder, the smart toaster oven, all this. And none, none of this stuff is um, is connectable to, to Wi-Fi or anything. So I, I, I kind of appreciate the, the, uh, the use of uh, the smart moniker. Well, I mean, you're burying the lead here where apparently, according to Breville.com, it has dosing IQ, mm. which feels like that's based off of like machine learning and then the AWS cloud. So it's probably, it's going to make a, a bad joke. So we're going to move on. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, I would say pretty good. Um, it is a bummer where like, because this was one of the grinders I was looking at when I was first getting into pour over. So I kind of wasted 80 bucks on the OXO grinder. I kind of might, my kitchen has this little pile right now of uh, appliances and things I need to get out, get out of my house, which includes <laughs> a 1350 VA uh, CyberPower UPS, that Breville toaster, an OXO grinder, a uh, Ufi uh, bathroom scale. I've, I've got kind of a, a collection of stuff that needs to leave my house and um, under p- pandemic circumstances. I don't really want to deal with Craigslist, but I've been half-assedly putting this stuff on Craigslist and not really ever following up with anybody. So I think I'm just going to take it all to that electronics recycling center in Centerfell next to the Tesla mm, repair shop. I know. I, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I mean, because the, the toaster oven, it's st- like all of it's still good. And I, I, and I have no use for two coffee grinders, but it bums me out that the OXO grinder is like four months old and it's still great. It's just that... It was not made to grind fine espresso. It's amazing. It's great for everything else, but it's not good for that. The other part that I will say about this grinder um, is that it's for a coffee grinder. It's very quiet. It's got a very pleasant, like deep grinding sound. Whereas the Oxo grinder was 
very loud and kind of, and not high pitched, but it was it was a much more annoying noise. Whereas this one is is nice and um nice and nice and deep. Yeah, the, the grinder that's part of the um espresso machine that we have, I wouldn't call it annoying, but it is very loud. Yeah. And then this one has kind of the similar thing where and that's the part where it's really smart where it's got um it's got three inserts. One for 54 millimeter portafilters, which is one the one that the um Breast Express takes, and it also supports the 58 ones that I believe the uh I think it's called the Oracle Touch. They have some higher end ones that take the larger portafilters. And then it allows it has kind of the same thing where one you can kind of like um wedge in the whole little um because the portafilter is that what the entire assembly is called, or is that the portafilter just the little basket thingy? The portafilter, I believe, is is the whole the whole unit. Okay, with like with like the handle and everything. Gotcha. So you can easily put that in, and just the coffee grinds and like just perfectly into it, and you don't have to have like a separate container that you're grinding into. So overall, it's it's pretty solid there. But then you can easily in that little holder thingy just magnetically inserts into the thing. So if you then want to just have a grounds container to do a, like um, a few pour overs, it's it's very, very easy to do that with very, very little mess. So I like the uh, interoperability or like the ease of kind of switching out how you might functionally use it. And does it hold the portafilter in place where like you don't even, so you don't even have to be holding it while nope. the coffee's grinding? Nope. So if you want to do a manual grind, you can just kind of push in or you can have it dialed up where... I have my like 15.6 seconds or whatever is the exact amount of time that I need it to to do a a good double shot. Well the so the the Barista Express does that too, but I guess what I'm asking is that can you literally just not be holding on to the porta filter? Oh, of course. Yeah, you you just press the button. Like you you just you just put it in the thing and then you just press the um the the rightmost button on the front. But the little the little stand thing that the porta filters it, in it supports the weight of the entire porta filter assembly thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, should should I pull forward a chef special if it's coffee related? It's unprecedented, but sure. Okay. Let me let me find the link. So back when I was using the Oxo grinder, I was like, "Well, this thing does nothing," and this this was a silly purchase. But so when I first got the the espresso machine i was very much into learning about like espresso not espresso culture but just kind of like all the basic skills and like because that's the whole thing i was like in because you highlighted this of just kind of it's nice to um like to learn a new skill even though this is not like building uh like building a table like ron swanson like it's it's a nice manual skill to to know how to do even though the machine's doing most of it uh but then a bunch of videos were talking about uh, getting yourself a, a coffee leveler. Have you seen these? Oh dear, I'm a. I'm a oh y- y- yes, I I have seen these. So when I was using again, like uh, like with the Oxo grinder on the finest setting, I still wasn't getting very good um, espresso pressure. Like unless I tamped it really, really, really tightly and hard, it was frequently not in the espresso like that prime zone of where it's supposed to be for pressure so one once i once i got the different grinder and i was able to have a more appropriate espresso grind one you don't need to tamp tightly at all but also like this little leveler tool thing is very nice and way more elegant than using the tamp tool where you can just grind 
everything just straight into it, the appropriate amount of coffee. You just put that on top. It compresses it. You give it a couple of spins. You get a perfect kind of level tamp on it with the, and it it's perfect every time. So I, I highly, highly recommend this. So if you have too much coffee in the portafilter, how does this, how does this help with that? So you would kind you you would maybe just brush a little bit away. Like I mean, it's it's good at compressing it if it needs to be, but generally you would just kind of know how much extra to leave on top, and you kind of can just visualize it. And if there is too much, generally, I mean, you could just brush a little bit, like just push a little bit uh, using the distribution tool, like off the side a little bit, and it's fine. Oh, so that this isn't a replacement for that silly razor tool. Well, the razor that- was always silly. I mean, just because I don't, I functionally don't see what it does because I mean, you either have too much coffee or you don't like, I feel like that's, I feel like the razor helps somebody like for the first two times they're doing it. And then you can, you can disregard it. Like you, you just know how much, like how, yeah, I, I don't see it as being that useful, but in terms of a more elegant way to get a nice tamp going and also to spread out and get like a nice clean surface on the top. This is very nice. So the, I have to say the the thing that I appreciate most about your whole Barista Express experience so far is by far and away the number one feature for me, and I assume a lot of people who buy it, is that it, it's an all-in-one machine, right? Oh, not you've at got all. <laughs> you've got the grinder built in. You've got yeah, you know, that even like the the tamper sits magnetically up inside the machine. It's it's just you know nice little compact package that just has everything you need to create espresso from start to finish and <laughs> you're you're like barely using any of it correct which is just like so so something you would do and i i mean that in a really endearing way no i mean you've known me long enough where that's literally most of what i do is if i can make I something more complicated like I, I just i sent you a screenshot earlier today of of my extremely complicated network setup um, and I was like, I was very surprised because like, um, it alerted me for like the eighteenth time that there was a software update that should be done. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then when you go to the admin page that where or the like the controller thing where you can uh, initiate the upgrade, it showed me that the uptime was like two hundred seventy one days. I'm like, okay, it was very fussy, but once you get it going, it's it's rock solid. And even with all the brownouts and random six a.m. power outages, uh, that network configuration is still rock solid so yeah but no but that 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 is that is what i do i make things way more complicated than they need to be for very small bumps in satisfaction is that uptime the amount of time since the extended power outage in october i think so (laughs) or or i think i think i might have actually i forget when i did the whole um because I did, I did a thing where I basically upgraded. Because I had like a twenty, like a, a twenty oh nine, a two thousand nine Mac Mini that was super, super slow and outdated. And I, up, I, I replaced basically all that stuff. So I think that happened in the fall. So that probably does match up with, um, like the seven day power outage or whatever there was. I still don't really get your network set up, but no need to, no need to rehash all that. Oh no, it's okay. The listeners remember how how effective and and great it is. <laughs> Uh, it, it works. It works. And again, I just have, I just have much more, I'm living a much more wired networking lifestyle than you. Like you're, 
Like I, I, I feel like if you could have your Synology be Wi-Fi enabled, you probably would. Um, actually, no, I, I'd push back on that. Like my my laptop here, I've got hardwired. I mean, I'm literally, I don't know, probably less than two feet away from the nearest Google Wi-Fi point, which I um, have here in the office. But I, I still have the the Mac here hardwired. Hmm. Okay. Well, yes, but I, I, I just have a ton of stuff that's Ethernet based. So therefore, like having a 16 port switch actually is not necessarily a nice to have. It's like a requirement sort of. Yeah, no, I've I've got I've got plenty of switches through the house, even with like my home theater setup, like everything that's connected to my TV. So, you know, the Xbox and the Apple TV, all that stuff, which, you know, could be just wirelessly connected. I've got all that stuff hardwired. All right. Statement. I I, I retract my previous statement. Yeah, I, I accept your apology. Objection. Uh, so anyway, so that that is my pick. Um, yeah, I really think it, it's it's the leveler is a very nice tool and for 25 bucks like these can go there's one called um so it's called the ona coffee ocd coffee distribution tool guess how much it costs don't google it if you were to think how much does one of these types of things cost if you were to buy the fussy version i 20 bucks well no but the, the cheap one i told you is 25 Oh, um, I have no idea. $150. Oh boy. So, so I got the very reasonable one. And again, I, I would, I would recommend you should treat yourself to it. It it makes, and you should treat yourself to a new grinder. Well, actually no. So you said you have a standalone grinder. Which kind grinder do you have? I'd have to, you'd, you'd have to stall for, um, a few minutes while I look that up. Well, yeah, I can, I can tell people what, uh, Actually, no. That that's going to be for a later, later part of the show. Well, actually, people, did you did you know that what WWDC is happening next week? I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, things just keep moving along glacially and also at a breakneck pace, and it's um, it's a little frustrating. But yeah, but overall, the milk frothing is still um an experiment of frustration. So I'm going to keep keep trying to dial that in. So I I have the. Um, Baratza Encore, oh, Encore Conical Burr Grinder. That's a good one. It is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem with that one is exactly what you mentioned, where everybody says that it's kind of the, the gold standard for like entry-level good grinders, but it's very, very basic in terms of like um like knobs and everything else. Like it, the the grinding is top notch, but everything else about it is kind of leaves a bit to be desired. And I, I assume that I'm, I'm just doing something wrong. I, I don't, I don't use it often enough to become an expert with it, but it just, it makes a huge mess every time I use it. And again, I'm sure I'm, I'm just not doing something right, but there's just, there's just coffee everywhere <laughs> whenever I use it. Which, you know, particularly now that we have white granite countertops in the kitchen, it's just, I mean, that shit is everywhere. Uh, isn't, isn't there like a kitchen counter Roomba you can get? <laughs> I, don't tempt me. <laughs> okay, well, good. Um, 
Excellent. So yeah, so you can put a link to that uh, coffee distribution tool. And I, I would, yeah, again, highly recommended. Um, okay, well, do you want to move on to follow-up? <laughs> you want to start the show? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The wide world of sports. Yeah, that's what I should have uh, called this section in the outline. Still time to change it. It's Google Doc. <laughs> You want to start with baseball or basketball? Uh, I'm not aware of either. All I know is everybody's mad all the time about baseball specifically. The NBA, I don't actually know if anybody, does anybody care? Like, are, are the fans being like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super jazzed that ba- basketball's coming back? Or do people kind of, they, they resign themselves to the season being mostly over? You know, it's funny. I it's actually that's a it actually takes us in a maybe a little more interesting direction than just talking about like the um, kind of the specifics of the plan which the NBA has released over the last couple of days. We can just throw those in the notes and then kind of go in this other direction, which is it is something I've noticed is since the NBA officially announced they were coming back, I would say the reaction's been very subdued, and obviously there's been far more important things going on in the world so i mean maybe the reason is as obvious as that but um i'm wondering when when it when it gets closer and like the teams actually move down to orlando and and then games start i kind of wonder if all of a sudden you know people's interest will perk up or or if people just won't be as as plugged in, it's hard. It's hard to say. I don't. I don't have a good feel for that. Yeah, like like I get that it's a big financial enterprise and they're trying to kind of salvage whatever they can, but it just feels like there's been just like it's just been so long that just most people honestly don't care. I don't know. Because um, even like because I uh, on I've been trying to limit my Twitter usage severely, but um, like yeah, like I I am uh basketball twitter adjacent and i'm just i'm just not hearing a whole lot yeah i think i think another part of it too is that while the nba is moving full steam ahead and it and it it really now especially that the kind of specific protocols are out there it does seem like it's going to happen i still think there's kind of this guarded optimism about it where this thing could just get scrapped kind of at any minute, um, including after it started. I mean, there there are very possible scenarios where, you know, the season resumes and two weeks later, there's some massive outbreak of the virus around the campus and, and you know, the whole thing gets shut back down. So I think... I think there's just a degree of, of apprehension around the whole thing, as as there should be. Um, so yeah, I, and I guess I, I put myself in that bucket too. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, the team that was basically on top of the league when the season was suspended. And, you know, if, if the season were to resume, I think they'd have a pretty good shot at winning it all, but I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of, um, not torn about it because, you know, I, I, I do want them to come back if they can come back safely but um yeah there's just so much else going on in the world that it's hard to um spend a lot of cycles on sports i guess yeah the only thing that i would say 
because uh, because I'm kind of all down on all sports this year. Like, because I, I I've moved past any hopes of, even though I've checked out of baseball for a while now, I've kind of moved past any resolution coming to that thing. And I and I don't care for football, and I especially don't care for a lot of the politics and culture surrounding football. But in terms of a sport that could come back and actually be vaguely appropriate for this moment. It feels like the NBA is the one good league where some type of communal entertainment that does actually align and um, appropriately and somewhat sincerely speak to and align with the needed cultural and societal movements going around. Like, it feels like that's the one thing that actually could fit hand in hand. So that's the only reason why I would actually sort of care about this. But yeah, but for the most part, I mean... um, yeah, because I also I, I am generally fairly aware of kind of what's going on, but I I have no idea who was leading in any of the NBA conferences at all right now. Honestly, I thought the Warriors were still doing pretty well, and apparently they are not. <laughs> no, they they were not. And again, and the 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 one guy from the from the Lakers who makes the chips, um, I don't know if he's any good either. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, he is good as as previously covered. Uh, anyway, so yeah, and apparently, so you put a link in here where it sounds like everybody's mad at, is his name Bob Mansfield? Bob Manford? Manfred? The, uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball? Yeah. Manfred? Uh, I, that, that sounds right. It's one of those three. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Say enough Rob names and you're going to get it right. Uh, Robert D. Manfred Jr. Um, oh, he's a lawyer too. All right. Good for him. Um, so apparently everybody's mad at him, uh, and that the players union and the, um, is it, is it, the, is it the baseball as like a collective organization or like, are, are the unions negotiating with the teams or like just the sport who's trying to put all this together? This is, this is the way that basically all the major sports work, at least in the U S where what else is you have? <laughs> where you have when you like when you refer to the league you're talking usually about the commissioner who's basically like the chief executive of the league and then the owners who are the kind of main representative of each of the teams and generally speaking the commissioner and the owners are kind of a unified group and then you have the players union which as the name implies, represents the players. And so when there are collective bargaining agreements that are being worked on or uh, proposals being around or being proposals being made perhaps uh, around how to resume a season in the midst of a pandemic, um, that does, that's the dynamic that's playing out. The, the league, which is the commissioner and owners and the uh, players union. Gotcha. Well, apparently it's not working out too well with baseball and it sounds like they're just everybody's kind of over it. Like I don't I don't know when when they would actually call it off, but well, I think so that's you know the the news today actually seemed like things were trending now in a more positive direction, but it's, you know, over the last couple of weeks we keep kind of going back and forth between it sounding like the season is imminently coming back and then we kind of flip the, the other direction, which is, you know, the this, this season is going to be totally canceled. Um, 
And at this point, you know, I think baseball's proposal today was something like a 60 game season. And the more time that passes, the shorter that season's going to get. And you'll quickly reach a point where it's, it's just not even, not even worth having the season at all. So, I mean, there was kind of a, um, a soft deadline set a while back of around June 1st and anything past that was going to start to get complicated in terms of coming to an agreement and still having enough time to play out the season. And, and you know, we're, we're well past that now. So hard to say. Yeah. Um, scrolling back in the Slack, cause I actually have something that's vague. Oh, well, actually this, this tees up into the next subject. Um, no, it wasn't then. There it is. Okay. So things that things have been fraught and at the, did the news cycle and everything, but there was a brief glimmer of happiness and hope on Friday. Do you remember what that was? I don't remember any happiness or hope. No. So let me open up the, the Slack thread. There was like this brief two hour period around uh, 12 o'clock in, in the one true time zone. Uh, on Friday the 12th, where everybody just spent two hours just dunking on AT&T and HBO. And it was the most pleasant break from from the news and the president and like just everything. It was so nice. So the news that kind of surrounded that was that HBO was simplifying. Um, simplifying? Yeah, let's go with that. They were <laughs> simplifying their product offering. Because when, when HBO Max came out, Everybody is like, huh, okay, so is HBO so HBO Go and Now are basically the same thing. It just depends on how you buy it. But where does HBO Max fit in? And then it turned out that, oh, if you have HBO Now, it becomes HBO Max. Okay, cool. But HBO Go, what about them? Well, if your MSO partner made a deal with Warner Media and AT&T, then sometimes, depending if you stand on the right, uh, on like your left foot on a Thursday, your subscription for HBO Go became HBO Max. So apparently they made an update. Um, let me, let me, because The Verge, there was, there was also a, um, I forget who the author was for The Verge, but she had some pretty good jokes on, on Twitter as well. And I don't know if this is her article. But yeah, so um, where was it? The Slack thread's a little bit of a, of a mess. Well, as you put it, another way to view this, HBO, formerly HBO Go, is basically a companion app for people who subscribe to HBO through a cable company that hasn't struck a deal with Warner to include HBO Max. Yeah, that's not any clearer. But I mean, I think, I think that's it, right? I mean, basically... But I don't only... think it is, though. Well, but, but isn't that the only scenario where you would use the HBO, previously known as HBO Go? app so i mean since since the price is the same it's all 15 bucks a month like why wouldn't you well i mean unless i guess you're getting a deal from your cable provider maybe maybe that's maybe that's the other scenario is if you're well but but even then i think my statement holds true if you're getting a deal from your cable provider presumably you would still get access to hbo max if they've struck a deal with warner and if they haven't then you you know you still just get regular hbo but so in terms of like the headlines, so after, so after some significant brand confusion around HBO Max and all other HBO apps, Warner Media is officially sunsetting HBO Go and will rebrand HBO Now as simply HBO, 
do you, do you endorse the veracity of that? Wait, which which one is the one that comes with <laughs> with your cable subscription? HBO Go. But but HBO Go is is becoming just HBO, right? After some significant brand confusion around HBO Max and all other HBO apps, Warner Media is officially sunsetting HBO Go and will rebrand HBO Now as simply HBO. So that makes no, no I don't, sense. I don't, think, I don't think that's right. So this is coming straight from a reporter at The, uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Mm, hold, on, hold on. Okay. I, I, the... <laughs> because that's the part that made no sense to me because I was like, how are you sunset? How is HBO? Because I read that multiple places. How is HBO Now becoming regular HBO when HBO Now for me is now HBO Max? So here, I'm, I'm going to send you a thing, and this will be in the notes. So CNBC actually ripped off my idea, which and their, their third key point. <laughs> How'd they do that? The third key point on this article is that the idea is that most HBO subscribers should be using HBO Max unless the platform they pay through, i.e. their cable provider generally, hasn't struck a deal with AT&T yet. But then how do you sign up for only HBO? So you sign up for HBO and only HBO. So if, if you don't want to have access to HBO Max, you would have to sign up through a cable provider who hasn't struck a deal with AT&T to also give you access to HBO Max. So from the CNBC article that you cited, here's what's changing. Quote, HBO Now will be renamed HBO. Most HBO Now subscribers got HBO Max for free earlier this year, except for users who paid through a third-party service like Roku and Fire TV, where the HBO Now app still exists. Those subscribers will see the app as HBO instead of HBO Now. That's okay, the part yeah, this, that this doesn't that's, make any sense. That's the part that makes the simple HBO is, with cable is kind of like it's 1991 and it's just called HBO. So HBO Now still kind of exists. But my HBO Now, the one that I pay through iTunes for some reason, is now HBO Max. But but given that HBO Now is the same price as HBO Max, I don't like if if HBO Max were I don't know, 20 or 25 bucks a month, something crazy. I'd pay then, that. What's that? I'd pay that. <laughs> no. And, um, that, and that's the other part where if HBO Max costs what HBO Now used to cost, and now it has the vast library of all the, the beloved characters of the Warner Media families, how does it still only cost $15 a month? And does, does AT&T somehow think they have the market position to charge more than $15 a month when Disney is uh, underpricing their service at $7 a month. I think maybe what we're skirting around here is that the whole issue with HBO Max runs deeper than the name of the service. You mean it's a service that didn't really need to exist and it's only because AT&T is worried that they don't have something competitive to Comcast? Yes. Okay. So, and the only... so. That's all that, and even though I thought you were actually going to, uh, no, 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 no shade to you, but I thought I thought you were actually going to be the point of clarity here, but I think we somehow managed to just make ourselves more confused. I thought, I, I mean, I thought I had it figured out, but. Yeah, but then, then your evidence did you, and your evidence actually incriminated you. 
but the other part, and I know we can't really share a Slack thread in here, but it was so nice. So then, so Bill Simmons got in on the fun. Darth had a good thing where uh, he redid a Diet Coke can with It's All Just HBO. <laughs> and then friend of the show and friend of Relay and all those kind of that whole like podcast ecosystem uh, made a fake service called HBO Plus. And then subsequently, he also made HBO All Access. Um, and then you Googled HBO Plus, which then brought up a Google result for HBO Now, except it says minus HBO <laughs> Now. So when everything was bad for a while, there was like this brief 90 minute period where everybody was just having fun and then everything went back to being bad but it was i liked it all right do you want to talk about future of work or apple wwdc sorry i don't know why i said apple well like there's another like there's (laughs) like there's a um a salesforce wwdc I think we've got to get into the the WWDC thing. It's been been on the list for a while, and this is our our last chance to chat about it before uh, it starts next week. So, iMac. That's that's been one of the anything else. Yeah, been one of the big rumors is uh, iMac redesign. I guess the the current the current iMac. I mean, obviously not what's inside of it, but the design of it. I guess has been around since like. Was it 2012? Something yeah, like that? Because the thing is, like, I got the, I think I got the second generation 5K iMac, and my, I'm looking at the about screen on my, on my laptop, on my desktop, and it says, uh, Retina 5K late 2015. So yeah, this, this design is fairly stale. And here's, like, here's the thing. I actually don't care about the design. Like, people who are, um, clamoring for smaller bezels, I don't actually see why that's a benefit. I just want them to upgrade the iMac Pro or any part of the insides of it so that I can upgrade. Well, I, th- I mean, I think what, you know, what would be neat to see is if they bring a lot of the iMac Pro design down to the iMac. So things like the improved cooling system, etc. That'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, we can hope, but it, uh, like, actually, I should clarify what my my hopes are: is that they update the iMac Pro, the regular iMac. They they can they can leave as a very stale product. I'm fine with that. I just need them to upgrade the iMac Pro. What do you get by getting an iMac Pro that you don't get by just buying a high end iMac? Uh, Xeons, so uh, multi core operations and paralyzed processing tasks are faster much better thermals i think the screen's a little bit better um and i think that's mostly it and you get um ecc ram which is nice not that kernel panics are much of a thing anymore but i thought when jason bought his imac pro didn't didn't he do the whole write-up where he was like you could basically trick out a base imac and get just as good if not better performance than the base iMac Pro in in most use cases for lost money. Oh, most definitely, but I wouldn't I wouldn't get the base iMac Pro. And th- that's kind of the thing where just like the <clears throat> even if you get like a very fast processor in the regular iMac, it's just that um the consumer chips aren't meant to work under a sustained load for that long where like if I like just plug in my digital camera and just are building one-to-one size previews in Lightroom. And even though this is, um, this is a quad core or an eight core computer. Uh, no, just quad core. Um, 
it 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 sounds like there's a an engine about to take off for like 40 minutes where that's something that wouldn't happen on an iMac Pro. So stuff like that where the consumer chips and I guess the consumer cooling configuration in a in a computer like this is much more geared towards um short bursts of like extended processing tasks. Got it. But anyway, so we, sorry, we should broaden this out. Sorry, I derailed the conversation a little bit with with my my wish casting. So yeah, the keynote is Monday or Tuesday? It's Monday. I mean, this is um I guess I've only said this to you offline online, but um and I, I wish I would have made this prediction on the show prior to some of this news coming out because it's my prediction I think's been been borne out, which is I think WWDC, even though it's obviously all virtual this year, is is basically going to follow the same format and offer most of the same type of interactions, like both with the keynote um, and then, you know, interactions with Apple developers. And there'll be a link in the notes with a, a nine to five Mac article that's got kind of a write up of the schedule. And, you know, it all it all kind of sounds like you know like it like it normally does um but again just all being being online right down to the fact that the keynote's 10 a.m monday morning just just like it always is um i mean i'm actually i'm really curious about the keynote um apple has said that it's going to stream directly from apple park so I assume that means that it's it's going to look a lot like the Craig Federighi um, iPad Magic Keyboard demo videos did a couple months back, and like I, I kind of I kind of assume that like you know the same folks who normally present will all kind of be there, and they'll they'll basically just be in different offices around Apple Park, and they'll they'll kind of bounce back and forth you know between each other and you know it'll it'll be kind of a kind of a traditional keynote in that way um and i actually kind of think that most if not all of it will be live i mean there'll be some pre-canned parts of it but i actually do think they're going to do most of it live yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I I wasn't really thinking like so. I think everything you said checks out, but I just I wasn't really thinking that there was going to be a ton that was going to be reinvented. Like I mean, I would maybe push back a little bit on um, what you said about the interaction with developers. I do think actually they are going to try to make much more extensive availability of kind of who gets to um, collaborate in sessions and ask developers questions. I do think they have made. Um, both like a, an iOS and a Mac app that tries to make that a little bit easier. But in terms of the keynotes and the state of the union and things like that, um, I, 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 yeah, it seems like it's going to be business as usual. And I'm not really sure who was thinking there was going to be some great reimagining of it because it's still supposed to functionally serve the exact same purpose. It's supposed to kind of guide the ship, inform investors and the developer public of kind of what Apple's software direction is for the next 12 to 18 months, which is what it's always supposed to do. So therefore, I mean, the only difference is that there's either going to be like a, a socially distanced uh, Apple employee audience and probably fewer handshakes on stage. But for the most part, I mean, probably pretty similar to what we always see just because that's what it is. So, yeah, I, 
I don't think there's going to be an audience of any kind. I just, I don't think that, I don't think that plays in the moment. Is there um, a gentleman's wager we can do on this? Well, we should, we should figure something out. Okay. Some cider? Sure. Let's do right. that. I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be, there's not going to be any sort of live audience. I don't think. Okay. Um, but I think other than that, I would expect the structure of the keynote to be very, very similar to what we've become accustomed to. You know, Tim Tim kicks it off. He'll give his update. I mean, presumably that update's going to be a little different than normal. Um, but so talk about Apple retail. <laughs> I, you know, I suspect he might not. Uh, and then you know he'll he'll kick it around to to Craig and to. Um, I feel terrible for forgetting his name, the the Apple Watch guy. Um, he hasn't who, been up there much, but is it Craig Williams, Scott Williams, Steve Williams? <laughs> Last name is Williams. I don't think it is. Apple Watch guy. He Williams. came over from Adobe, right? Yeah. Jeff Williams. No. No. I know Google's not going to tell me. Apple Watch app presenter Adobe. No. Kevin Lynch. Exactly. But that's what I said. It, you, <laughs> I'll fix it in are, post. Are, are you gaslighting me? I take no responsibility. <laughs> Actually, edit that out. I don't know I've ever I've co-opted a phrase from him. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cut all this out. Um, yeah, so, so what do you... Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like we're, we're kind of both kind of saying the same thing, whereas not much is really going to be different, like other than what Jason and Mike said, which is actually the one saving grace is hopefully no AR demos, unless there's many AR demos. I really, really like Jason's dis disdain of live video game demos. I mean, you know me, Carlos. I, I'm I'm a somewhat gamer. casual... <laughs> yeah, gamer, you're, you're right? a hardcore Cap gamer. Cap capital G. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of follow the industry tangentially, but the, the live the live game demos are just ugh, they're they're the worst. But I actually I actually agree with with um Mike. I think we're still gonna get one. And that could be the that could be the thing I could see that was maybe pre recorded. Hmm. but yeah so let's uh, so just because we're tight on time let's so yeah let's say kind of just broadly uh what we're hoping for what we think might happen so i'll just kind of tee up a, kind of a few of the big things so probably so introduction of ios 14 and uh os 10 irvine the biggest news on the hardware front and what might take up the bulk of the um of the main keynote would be the announcement of just because I don't think there's going to be a ton to report on iOS 14, just because they're probably going to spin it as a maintenance release one because COVID kind of ate up probably two to three real months of like programming time, but also most of it's going to be occupied by the chip transition that's going to happen on the the Mac line, um, and that might dovetail into maybe some updates about catalyst or swift ui because i assume whatever version of os 10 runs on 
the ARM processors is probably going to be limited in some weird way where there's like a break where you can't run old Mac apps. Unfortunately, I think that is going to be the case, even though I really don't want it to be. But yeah, I think uh, probably like a good 30 to 45 minutes of the keynote is going to be related to the next version of OS X and uh, the roadmap for um, like a two to three year switch from Intel to ARM. I, you know what I actually think with the whole ARM thing? Do you remember when Catalyst was first announced and it basically just got like a five minute little blurb? I think it was at WWDC a couple years ago. It was basically just like, hey, we're going to do this thing. We'll talk to you more about it later. I think that's what they're going to do with the ARM transition. I don't think they're going to give a ton of detail about it. I don't think there's going to be a product announcement. I don't think there's going to be specs talked about. I don't even think there's going to be like a specific transition plan discussed. I think it's going to be fairly vague, fairly short. And I don't, I actually don't, I actually don't even think that leaving the keynote on Monday, there's going to be any sort of like developer kit or anything quite yet. And I, and I would go, I guess I would go back to the point that I always come back to with these keynotes, which I know is like the boring take, but I feel like it consistently gets proven out. If there was a more concrete transition plan or if there was some type of developer kit that was going to come out, that stuff would have leaked. Like we'd, we'd already know about it. And that just, that hasn't been the case. Like we, we, we think we know that Apple's going to at least acknowledge the ARM transition, but we don't know much beyond that. And that makes me think that they're just going to make kind of almost like a one more thing reference to it at the end of the keynote. And that's going to be about it. Yeah. I, I super strongly disagree. Um, just cause even though I know the Apple, like we, like I knock them all the time for not really caring about the Mac, like this, this is just not something that you can, like, it's not something where once they have the hardware, they can be like, oh, and now we have this great new processor architecture for you to develop for. Like it's, it's, it requires advanced developer support for that to be feasible um so no so i i think there will be a clear like whenever they do announce it which is probably going to be this year they're going to talk about a transition plan and how they're actually going to make it work functionally because they're going to have cuz like i actually rewatched the um the um WWDC 2005 section related to how the uh, PowerPC to Intel transition was going to work and it brought up a lot of like similar points where you you just have to explain one how are you going to allow existing software to work what type of frameworks and things will be cut off entirely so that you can't use them anymore and you just need time for people to actually adopt it especially when you already have the issue that the Mac is not a platform that people are eagerly developing for or it's kind of the thing on like where the up man this is, I I always get bummed when this show becomes just like upgrade follow up but like with the upgradees they're always like trying to figure out what to say about uh, best new Mac app just because the Mac is kind of like it's like I like I love the Mac and it's a but it's a staid and kind of very mature operating system where there's not a lot of whole new stuff so if we're counting on Adobe to update Creative Cloud and Microsoft to make sure Office runs on day one. Like that's not all just gonna go inside um 
uh, a processor language or, or like a, um, an instruction set uh, translation API. Just because we're not, we're also not at the point where, like when they moved from the the G4 and the G5 power PC processors onto the Intel Core platform, the Intel processors were just so much faster. Where the process, where where the hit in terms of translating processor architectures wasn't that much of a big deal, just because like you were already used to how PowerPC processors ran, and Intel processors were so much faster. Where even though like we always see those benchmarks of oh the the iPad single core performance is faster than most Macs that you can get, ha ha ha. But if if you now have to translate x86 programming to arm like it's not going to be that easy so i do think they're going to need more early developer support to make that actually feasible so yeah so i guess that will upgrade our our wager up to a six pack now where i i would actually say it will be a substantial amount of the, of the keynote or it will definitely not be a passing reference or kind of like given the five minute catalyst treatment so i actually agree with everything you said the Apple needs full developer buy-in. They need to provide developers with a clear timeline and plan in order to make the transition successful. I actually agree with all of that. I just don't think it's going to happen at WWDC this year. So when is it going to happen? I don't know. I, I, I could see it being even like a standalone event separate from WWDC. The timing on that though i don't i don't know if that's a later this year thing or maybe even an early next year thing but i just i just don't think we're at the point where there is a fully fleshed out transition plan yet and again like you know not to just repeat myself but i just feel like news that big we we'd already we would have gotten the german scoop treatment already if that was going to be in well no german was in his arm um speculation was very vague about it like basically just like well they you know they they're planning on mentioning it it could actually even get pushed like there was no i don't think there was any acknowledgement that there was going to be like some clear roadmap laid out but i guess like i and i and i and i take your point but i i, I guess my my counterpoint is that i guess what what do you think should have leaked by now because like this is something where apple is already the dominant player in um uh arm processor not manufacturers they outsource that to tsmc and a few others but like they make their own processors and if they want like they can internally manufacture developer kits like i don't i don't see how any of that kind of stuff can leak out or... i think with like with with catalyst even when they did the whole just little 5 minute intro about it like leading up to that i think the fact that it was ipad to mac only had leaked out mm-hmm. i think that a handful of Apple apps in the next version of Mac OS being powered by Catalyst. I think that had already leaked out. And like this is stuff that wasn't even talked about on stage in the moment, I don't think, but it still leaked out ahead of time. But that's because that's stuff that you can, like uh, like Guy Rambo and th- those people who can uh, just dig around and code and find out. That's not what this will be. 
I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've, I've said this over and over again on the show. I just think Apple is, is too big to, to be able to sort of keep big secrets like this. So I, I, th- I just think that if there were an imminent announcement of a ton of details related to the arm transition, we'd, we'd know about it. Okay. We shall see. Um, and again, my, my counterpoint is just that I, I don't see a arm max shipping before spring of next year at the absolute earliest, probably not until summer of next year. Well, that, that's the, but that's, that's what I'm saying too, though, is like, it's not like they, they don't need to provide the transition plan now they because do, I'm though. with you. I don't think they, they do though. I mean, I don't, you I have could, to I could tell see people what's the, happening. Yeah. But I could see the arm thing even being like a late 2021 thing sure that's fine yeah ag- agree to disagree anyway so about all the and, and, and the only other actually so no i'm, I'm not going to drop it my other point and, and i, I want to know would you would you agree with this is that there's probably not going to be much to announce on the ios side so if you have something like this why wouldn't you talk more about it D- would you agree that this is probably gonna be a quiet year for ios or do you think it's full steam ahead and um, they should just cancel the Mac because the iPad is going to get so many software updates that people won't know what a computer is anymore. My expectations are are for a, a really quiet WWDC keynote all around. I don't. I just. I, I think. I think there's going to be a lot of the a lot of the headlines coming out of the event of like, oh, geez, what a boring keynote. Apple's doomed. Blah blah blah. I could. I could see a lot of that. All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that's mostly it. Like, I rem- like, well, what what other rumors are there? Because, like, I like because I I don't really care that much about specific iOS features and if they make big improvements to the iPad. Like that stuff's not super relevant. Like, I guess. Well, so that's the other question. Do you think this is does Apple spin this as being like a maintenance and bug fix release year for iOS, or do you think they still try to um, make it sound like it's going to be a big feature release because they maybe want to accelerate uh, excitement for this year's coming 5G iPhones. I actually think the coming 5G iPhones are the reason why iOS 14 might be kind of a boring maintenance release because the new phones are already going to be exciting as they are. You know, new design, 5G. Like, this will be a big... This will be a big, um, what is it in the whole TikTok thing? What, what's the big release? The tick? I think he's a DC character. <laughs> nice. Is that the, is that the Schneider cut or is that, is that in the original version? Did you hear about that whole thing? I don't know what you're talking about. All I, all I know is the tick is, is, is a, is a thing that people who like comics know of. I, I really don't like comics. It's like, it's, it's a stunt that warner's pulling as as part of the whole hbo max launch where i don't know what schneider is well so they they did this this dc movie the justice league and they had this director zach snyder but for family reasons he had to leave the project but i it there's all these rumors that like his vision for the movie was very different than what the final product ended up being and so they're gonna like release supposedly a version of the movie that's like closer to his vision i I don't know the whole thing's kind of silly is justice league the one with groot no <laughs> which one has groot uh, guardians of the galaxy 
Okay. Yeah. Release, release the Snyder cut of that one. <laughs> Even though I feel like he might not have been attached to that project at all. Um, well, don't, don't nerds love fan edits and stuff. Isn't there a thing like where John Syracuse is always talking about like bootleg star Wars ones where they try to like, un uh, un unspecial like edition. Un it. It? Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah. People are into that. People are into a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, Anyway, so do you have anything else on WWC? Because actually, I, there, if you don't have much, there's one other um, brief Apple topic we can get to before we wrap up. No, I mean, I think I'm, I'd, I'll go back. I'll close on a note that we kind of started with, which is I'm just I'm really interested to see what the keynote on Monday looks like. I'm just really curious what they do from a, a production standpoint. It'll be, well, I hope hopefully this will be a very unique one-off thing. And I hope there are at least a few people in the audience so I win a six-pack of cider. <laughs> um, all right. Can we briefly talk about the hay controversy? What'd you call me? You're aware of this, right? No. Okay. Well, this is going to be a very boring one-sided conversation. Uh, let me send you a link so at least you can um, skim while... Uh... Uh, so there's a new email application called Hey. That is from the creators of Basecamp, which is a um, Teams application from like the mid 2000s in kind of the Web 2.0 era. And it's written by some cool people. And it's also got one person um, on that company who's kind of a kind of a dick. And that comes into play a little bit here. So it's a hey is a very opinionated and arrogant email application that costs a hundred dollars a year to have email and basically it kind of takes some ideas from did you ever try out that google inbox project where they had kind of like a secondary gmail app that you could use that kind of had some cool features about it no and i i always kind of meant to look at that but i i never ended up doing it so i mean it was pretty neat where you could it like it had a lot of smart ideas and some of which have kind of made their way into gmail proper but it was a kind of like a good test bed for interesting approaches to kind of how you can modernize email a little bit. So Hey is, again, it's a very opinionated email app, which has uh, an inbox, I-M-B-O-X. So again, with every feature, you kind of want to hate it a little bit more, but it's it's still kind of neat where you can basically have like a little like screener view where you, anytime somebody emails you who's not in your contacts or you've never contacted before, you can basically give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down and say, yes, I want to hear from this person or no just immediately trash everything this address ever sends me which i can see where for some people that might be useful but i think most people actually not um it's supposed to be smarter about bubbling up uh like newsletters and promotion like it's supposed to be kind of how google has that like social and newsletter and promotions tab where it try, kind of tries to be smart about your inbox it's basically that on on steroids and it does kind of the email snoozing and focus features and a whole bunch of stuff like that so it's 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 an it's yet another take on email except this one happens to cost a hundred dollars a year because the company that made it Basecamp, is actually they're they're a software company that actually does make pretty good money for a service that is definitely premiumly priced so it launched last week and it was approved and released into the app store and then they were releasing a bug fix to it so 1.0.1 
and it got held up in app review and it was rejected by the app store because Apple was not being given its 30% cut, even though the app has nowhere inside of it to purchase a subscription at all. So it's not trying to skirt the rules or be like, hey, click this secret link to sign up. It's basically like any other email client where you log in and if you have an account and it works and if you don't, you don't. Uh, but it is now being held up by Apple and as other, the, so the first publication to report on this was called Protocol, and I can't find the original link, but it had a good, um, like policy thing where basically Apple said, well, this shouldn't have ever been, uh, approved in the first place. And we make a distinction between consumer and business applications and whether something is more of a player versus that, this or that, where this is why. Netflix and something else doesn't have this issue, but basically they made a whole stink. We're basically saying we are not going to approve this app update and we are actually considering removing this app from the app store because Apple does not stand to have an opportunity to make $30 or 30% of this service in perpetuity. So there've been tons of app store complaints for a long time. And the fee that Apple charges on in-app subscriptions has always been a sticking point for a lot of people. But this is one where it seems so clearly cut and dry that this app is a service that only works if you sign up outside the App Store, yet is still being penalized by Apple. And um, it, it's it's generating very charged debates online where uh, Gruber has actually made a ton of like very like like he he has two posts on his website about it that are very very clear cut saying how absolutely insane this is that Apple is choosing this hill to die on about it especially when they're coming under scrutiny from the EU for antitrust like this week where it's just so so weird that they're choosing to do this now um especially when again the company that makes this app Basecamp has a service that is also paid that does not have any type of in-app purchases yet requires a subscription from outside the app store is approved and is in the app store without issue. So anyway, with that primer, do you think Apple is right? Or do you think anything actually changes this time? Or is this just the usual thing that happens every six to 12 months? I think it's business as usual. I, I think this is the same, same thing that we see every six to 12 months. Like you said, same kind of cycle we go through. I think until there's true government-led intervention, probably more likely from Europe than from here in the U.S., I don't see anything meaningfully changing. So, sure, but I guess with this one, you're not even, there's no way to sign up inside the application and the app doesn't work unless you already have a paid account. Like, I feel like there hasn't been in the past, like such a clear cut example of it. Like sure. You've had Spotify complain that there's no way Apple should have this 30% tax. And Apple also has guidelines where you can't price the in-app subscription 30% more to compensate for it. So like, like, I don't know. It feels weird this time where one, like, so Gruber's taking like a hard line uh, stance on it. Um, like every bit of media coverage about it has been just so overwhelmingly negative. 
um, the one of the main developers on it or like the business partners of it. Um, I forget his Twitter name is just DHH, but he's 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 a really abrasive and just kind of prickish guy on the internet. But it's it's one of those ones where like most people who don't enjoy him are actually on his side for once. I don't know, just it feels like such a weird thing for what is obviously a super niche application. Like how many people are honestly going to pay $100 a year for an email service? So how much money are they actually getting to have a, like just this much bad press? Like it just, it doesn't make sense. And because the issue has been escalated numerous times, like it really feels like somebody with authority had to has had to have like given an opinion here. It just it feels so weird. So I don't know. So people should go read the articles, and I'll and I will find the link to the original protocol story. But it's just it's just it's madness. And again, this comes from somebody who's a huge Spotify proponent, um, and is is um, wants Apple to stop taking a thirty percent cut from all their stuff. Yeah, I, I agree that this is definitely a more egregious example than we've seen in the past with things like Spotify, but I I still don't know if if this is really gonna lead to meaningful change. Yeah. All right. Chef specials. Let's do it. What you got? So I will I gotta as as a Usual, I got to pull up in my uh, Amazon purchase history here to to get you get you the link. Um, it's great how you can search your order history in Amazon. I really like that. I'll send you the thing. This is a good little uh, work from home uh, pick. So this is the VanKey Soft Memory Foam Mouse Wrist Rest Support. Cool ergonomic hand rest support for computer, laptop, office, PC gaming, massage holes design, easy typing, wrist pain relief, and repair by Vanke. Simple little wrist rest for your mouse. I had a mouse pad previously. It didn't really end up fitting very well on this standing desk converter contraption I have now. And so I needed something to replace it with. And kind of specifically, I needed something that wasn't really like a full mouse pad, but was just kind of something that I could rest my my wrist on, which was primarily what I was using the mouse pad for anyway. And uh, this little thing fits the bill perfectly. Neat. Yeah, I've got something similar, but it's actually a mouse pad. So it's nice that they make them as just kind of its own thing. So do you just use the the mouse as just just uh, on the little um, tiered uh, standing desk thing you have? Exactly. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and that that works. That works just fine. Yes. All right. So the coffee distributor slash leveler that I mentioned earlier that's going to be the main pick. But actually, people always love a Trader Joe's pick. So we are going to do one of those as well. So coming from the Fearless Flyer for June of 2020. Uh, my pick is going to be, and I and I, I just also, I love the name too. It is Trader Joe's Synergistically Seasoned Popcorn. So there's not a whole lot to say about it, but it's delicious. I generally find most flavored popcorns to be super gross. Like there's... Um, 
like uh like caramel corns always gross cheddar popcorn always super gross but this one uh it's got some some spice in it it's got some tanginess it's got some saltiness and a little bit of sweetness in it and it is really really good so next time you're at trader joe's pick it up can i actually tell you a, a quick uh funny trader joe's story from today sure that that actually doesn't involve going to trader joe's okay more intrigue now so so i actually i haven't been since the whole shutdown started um sad but i just just haven't haven't been able to to head out there um and one of our one of our favorite things to buy from trader joe's is they have this um instant um frozen brown rice just it's like just a simple little kind of side dish you can have with a ton of different stuff the little three minute microwavable bags you put on their side exactly oh so good i know it's great they're great and we we had luckily stocked up on those um, just coincidentally before the shutdown started. So we we had quite a few in the freezer, but we ran out a week or two ago. And uh, the lady friend, when we were putting in um, a Whole Foods order recently, noticed that they also sold um, frozen instant brown rice. And so she threw one of those onto the order and was like, well, you know, hopefully this is like similar to the, uh, the Trader Joe's one. So we, we finally, um, opened that box today because we, we had it with dinner. Like (laughs) it's, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Like you, we, we opened the box and the, the bags are identical. Like they've got the red stripes, they've got the instructions in exactly, I mean, they're, it's the same product. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's the whole foods, uh, store brand. Um, but it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. That's always a fun adventure where you can try to backsource the products that are at Trader Joe's where like their little, um, you've seen, uh, the spud crunchies before, right? Right. Yeah, so those are actually rebranded and rebadged uh, Calbi uh, potato uh, snacks. So it's always good to find uh, where they're like white labeling it from. But yeah, no, you were absolutely right. Those uh, do you get? Is it just the standard brown rice, or is it is it the jasmine rice, or which one is it? Yeah, we just do the standard brown rice. Okay. Yeah, Trader Joe's is the best. As this, as as is this popcorn. <laughs> 